I have no agency. Look at my boobs. You're still listening. This is our final transmission. We are here, Sam. How's it? How's it going? Fucking superb, my end, buddy. How are you? Oh, I'm so so good. <laughs> I'm so well. I don't have any random dizzy spells or nausea. It's great. That's great. Life is wonderful. You're not ill, and there's definitely not water pouring through my kitchen ceiling. We're both killing it today. Yeah, having a great, great time. Nothing is wrong. Everything's Nothing. fine. Nothing. Nothing could be wrong when we're in the wasteland together, Sam. I know, right? Just holding hands, gazing out at the mutants, ravaging each other. Yeah. Listen, 976 evil. Dial that number. What happens? Let me let me try it now. Let me try it. What what do you think is gonna happen? 976 E V I L. We ready? See Go for happens. it. Ah. Could have seen that one coming, really. Yeah, we should have seen that one come in. It didn't work. But if you ring it in the movie that we're covering, which yeah. just happens to be called 976 Evil, something else happens. And this is sort of kind of in a loosey-goosey series we've been doing about horror icons directing movies when that's not really their main job. Yeah, having a stab. Yeah. And this one is directed by Robert Englund. Who's he? Who is he indeed? For, for the kids who don't know, who's Robert Englund? He plays Jason Myers in Scream Air Before Christmas. He's in Stranger Things. Maybe the kids will... <laughs> is he in Stranger Things? He's Victor Creel. Of course he is. Yeah, he is Victor Creel. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Also, a little little known character called Freddy. Freddy Krueger. Famous paedophile Freddy Krueger. <laughs> Yeah, you might remember him from your lunchbox when you were a kid. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, you know, his directorial debut. And uh, what do you think of it? I mean, let's not put the cart before the the horse, Sam. I see what you're saying. Had you seen this before? No, no, I hadn't. <laughs> it was quite hard to find as well. Not only had I not seen it, but I almost didn't see it. It was <laughs> tricky to get my hands on. <laughs> uh, but worth worth the quest. Well, that's interesting. I sort of thought that you were going to hate this. Why? I don't know. How do you know I don't hate it? Well, that's because you said it was worth the quest. Uh, yeah, but maybe I'm just a completionist, and if I start something, I have to finish it. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. How did you see this movie first? What were your feelings? I think I saw this late teens, early 20s, mm -hmm. probably on DVD. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm pretty sure I had a DVD that was the, that was the first one and the second one. Okay. And I do want to talk about the second one at some point, but I don't want to spoil it because I think you will really dig it. That's directed by Jim Wynorski, who is a famous director that just loves boobs. Famous for loving boobs, or is that just a coincidence? Uh, no, I think he's kind of... He, he makes booby, booby movies. I think Robert Englund probably loves boobs too. Well, the boobs that you see in 976 Evil are pretty different to the boobs that you'll see in a Jim Wynorski movie. Okay, consider me all in. I feel like, I know we're getting into boobs pretty early here, but I think I think the boobs that that Robert Englund favours are sort of the more naturalistic, mm -hmm. these are just normal boobs, whereas 
Jim Wynorski is a big swinging pendulum man. He's uh, he's in that stable, is he? Yeah. A certain critic who will remain unnamed is in the very same, <laughs> very same category. Yeah, I mean that's a great quote from Roger Ebert about <laughs> how much he loves big pendulous big breasts. Tits. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, good for you, kid. Stay dead. What um, what exactly? brings you here today jamie what do you want to talk about when it comes to this movie why did you pick it why is it on the menu i hadn't seen it for a long time Mm -hmm. but i did remember really liking it i think it does some interesting and different things right goes to some fairly different places Mm -hmm. to your normal sort of stable of 80s low budge horror features similar to Pumpkinhead, really sure but but not anywhere near as good i think it has it has a lot of courage. It's pretty brave in in where it ends up, even well, even though it's quite goofy with it. Why don't you drop a synopsis and then we'll take a break? Drop a synopsis. Chat this fucker up. Yeah, I'm the worst at dropping the synopsis. Basically, there's a kid, and his name is Hoax, and he lives in a small town. We assume in America, and he's having a rough go of it. Does this remind you of anything? <laughs> he's being bullied at high school, and having a slightly rough time with his mum, who seems to be some kind of insane Christian. And so he he reaches out one lonely night to a phone line that has some supernatural elements to it and uh, hijinks ensue. Yeah. <laughs> Leaning quite heavily on the hijinks ensue part of my uh, synopsis <laughs> these days. He has a cousin called Spike, who is always trying to sort of lead him astray, slash take him under his wing, slash kill him from time to time and there's robert england and there's boobs what else she got i mean that's that's pretty much it right also got robert picardo in a small role very small role i wanted more i assume there's more in the second one right i don't know if he's even in the second one god damn it <laughs> he's spike I mean, spike spike comes back but i don't think robert picardo does interesting robert picardo's great obviously famous for being the doctor in star trek and just has one of those heads just a great looking dude yeah, I think it's weird that that's your sort of touch point for him. I sort of think of him as like a low budget Joe Dante guy. Oh, really? Okay. Like he's in he's in like all of Joe Dante's movies. Oh, interesting. I'm more of a Voyager guy, so <laughs> love him. Is in he that, the Doctor in Voyager? I thought it was Doctor in Deep Space Nine. Uh, is he maybe both? Could be both. He's definitely Voyager. I don't know if he's Deep Space Nine, okay. but he. I mean, he was in a bunch of tv that i would just sort of see by happenstance like he's in some quantum leap i think he's in csi Mm. or ncis or something he pops up in um some hospital dramas like he's just one of those guys who worked his ass off his entire career and uh just love seeing him in in good tv and bad tv yeah i think like one of my in the sort of 10 videos i had when i was a tiny kid Mm. one of them was inner space joe dante's inner space oh yeah and and he's one of the baddies in that so that's always my my go-to thing when and obviously gremlins too he mm-hmm. he's the lucky duck that gets to fuck the girl gremlin at the end so legend legend doing it for all of us all of us yeah. gremlin fetishists um great guy great role not enough screen time in my opinion but the yeah. i mean the real star of this show of course as we all know is robert england's pal stephen jeffries playing the character of hoax yeah hoax is hoax is some good fun here mm-hmm. obviously We'll recognise Stephen Jeffries from Fright Night. Uh, Fright Night, yeah, that's probably his biggest main role. Yeah, people don't talk about Fright Night so much these days. Mm. I think it doesn't hasn't been on 
streaming sites maybe hasn't had like the big blu-ray release that a lot of the other movies of that era have had right so it's it's sort of fallen by the wayside a little if you try and find it on any streaming service you'll only get the remake oh weird which i haven't seen so like yeah it's pretty pretty hard to track down yeah i haven't walked into a a grocery store and heard people talking about fright night in a long time no people don't people don't talk about it (laughs) We're talking about it right now, so let's redress the balance. I want to I want to put it on the list because we watched it quite recently and I forgot how fucking great it is. Yeah, bang it on there. Wasn't it on there and then we took it off? Uh, oh no, that was House. Sorry. That was House. Boring admin. Yeah. I really, really, really enjoyed Stephen Jeffries in this movie. I like the character of Hoax a lot. I also really, really enjoyed Patrick O'Brien as Spike. I, I, I basically enjoyed everyone's performance in this film, but Hoax as a character felt really really real to me just a a superbly written well played out character lots of melodrama that i love lots of overacting Mm. and juicy scenes of going way over the top so it was kind of made for me i really enjoyed it cool well why don't we take a break we'll come back and we'll find out more about why you identify so heavily with hoax okay let's chill our boots Whoa, holy shit. I guess that's why they call it Phantom Power. Listen, Jamie, if there's one thing we can both agree on, it's that Red Scare looks after you. That's their main deal. They're always there for you. They've always got your back. www.redscare.net when you need some love. No matter what position you're in, they will help you. If you're feeling angry, they've got some angry shit for you. If you're feeling melancholic, They've got some sad shit. You're feeling like you want to break into a car. There's mm-hmm. Max Intruder. Like it's all there. It's all there for you. If you feel like you want to it's- drown yourself, you can jump into Lake Michigan with a sincere engineer. Like, have a great time. Very good. All the time. That's probably Red Scare's real motto, right? Have a good time all the time? Yeah. I mean, I stole that from Spinal Tap, but Red Scare can have it. They can have it from you. Then it's not stealing. Have a good time all the time. Redscareindustries.net. Speaking of dick sticks... We're back. Yeah, we are back. So so you're into hoax. You're a big hoax guy. Yeah, I love him. I think um any any nerd character who is who obviously goes through a transformation. All nerds go through transformations in movies. They never just stay nerds. Mm. It's such a bummer. But any any nerd character who holds the main leading role of a movie and carries it off with that much charisma and keeps you totally engaged with his arc and his screen time from start to finish is really impressive to me because, you know, historically in horror movies, nerds are just kind of foils or, you know, victims of bullying that progresses another character, you know, some kind of like a Mm. victim narrative that doesn't put them at center stage uh, unless there's like a a grand transformation involved. So I love it when you see such a well-rendered nerd character come through the entire movie staying in the spotlight the whole way through without boring you or shaking you loose at any point so i think that's pulled off really well in this film do you think his uh his character's believable good good center man like i think the movie doesn't really know whether it wants hoax or spike to be to be its lead sure and it's constantly sort of battling back and forth and that's part of like the central tension as a viewer is that like you don't know who you're supposed to be rooting for mm. is it this bad kid spike he's obviously a bad kid his hair slicked back and he rides a motorbike Mm -hmm. or is it like the good kid 
who, you know, just does good kid things like breaks into his cousin's bedroom and steals his girlfriend's panties, you know, normal, normal kid stuff. Good guy stuff. I sort of wonder about whether that's meant to be endearing or whether we're like we're, we're making comments about things that we see as like heroic or main character stuff from other movies around this time. Stealing the panties. And whether, yeah, and whether like... Heroic. That would be heroic in Revenge of the Nerds yeah, or sure. in Porky's or any of those sort of 80s, yeah. late 70s, 80s sex comedies like Meatballs, fucking Hamburger the movie, yep. fucking Police Academy. Mm -hmm. All of these movies, like you can steal a woman's pants and it's fucking triumphant, blaring brass instruments in the background, right? Turns so out like, heroism is subjective. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I always found him mega creepy and skeevy really he just has a face that is, is creepy skeevy he's not whichever fucking guy is in revenge of the nerds who who has like quite a nice face yeah i don't know it's not very it's not very realistic portrayal of a nerd you don't think i mean it doesn't help that he's 40 and jacked like <laughs> so shredded yeah. he's wearing these like bulky sweaters to hide the fact that he's fucking ripped <laughs> that always bums me out when the nerd is just like surfer bod <laughs> yeah i like hoax as a character and i like where he ends up i like that the, the movie has the courage to make him the baddie yeah that's probably the the thing that i like the most about this movie is the fact that we don't skimp we don't get a oh please please i'm okay i'm okay really yeah you can bring me back from the dark side or any of that bullshit like he's the baddie and he just gets worse and then he falls into hell yeah the end a demon right. who falls into hell yeah it's sick i think he, i really like how he looks because i kind of equate his face with charlie heaton from uh strange things you know jonathan byers the older byers brother mm. like somewhere between him and john connor in t2 yeah no, i can see that so i'm immediately like you know, we, we all do this, don't we? We react to faces before we get to know someone. I saw his face and I was like, yeah. yeah, I love this guy. And I love his costumes throughout the movie, his wardrobe, whatever they call it in Hollywood. What do they call it? Not costume. I think wardrobe is fine. Wardrobe. Clothes. Clothing, yes. Accoutrement. <laughs> I think he's dressed really well. I think they do a good job of giving him kind of greasy hair and just making him look, you know, mm. classic, classic nerd stuff. I don't get the creepy vibes as much, but I totally see why, you know, why you would get that. I think he's he's placed really well in the movie, like you said, as, as somebody who we have sympathy for and somebody who we root for, but somebody who we're conflicted over because he does some uh, yeah. some effed up s. Yeah, but like I don't know if that's just twenty twenty four eyes. Maybe I mean yeah, I didn't think it was played in the movie like it was a horrendous thing to do. You know the the panty stealing scene. I think it was more a vehicle for putting a wedge between him and the the girlfriend rather than actually like us as an audience condemning him for his pervy actions but like in revenge of the nerds or any of those other movies mm. the woman whose pants were stolen wouldn't be like oh you dick you stole my pants they'd be like <laughs> oh i have no agency look at my boobs yeah maybe we're stepping in the right direction by 88 never thought i'd say that about something robert england is in control of <laughs> <laughs> this movie is absolutely peppered hailstorm style with one-liners from about the yeah. 75, 80 minute mark onwards. It has all the sort of greasy, dirty, fleshy fingerprints of Robert Englund all over it. The visuals are like pure grime. There's a lot of urban decay. There's a lot of Freddy-esque, dreamy kind of moments. There's a lot of him in 
inside and all over this movie. And I kind of love it. Is is his directorial touch something that resonates with you, or did you think it was a bit much? No, I love it. I think the first half of this movie could have been fucking Blade Runner. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's shot shot amazing. It's like Michael Mann, wet streets, Mm. like neons Neons. everywhere. Mm. Like, grey, horrible buildings, huge, like, neo-noir shadows of, like where the lighting is just pitch perfect. It's amazing. Mm. Like we sort of lose that a little bit as we sort of make our way through the movie when it gets to the, some of the more high concept, high effect stuff at the end where it's like the floor's meant to have fallen through in this house. Mm. It looks kind of like those paintings that those guys do in the street. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like the chalk 3D ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it does. So that kind of sucks. But I, 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 I get the idea and it's a cool idea. Yeah. Obviously... You're, I don't know, a a low-budget video company in 1987 or whatever, and you want want to make a film that has Robert Englund's name on it, but you can't make a Nightmare on Elm Street film. Mm. So why not ask him to direct? You know that he's directed a bit of Shakespeare when he was like a theatre student or whatever. So he's been on set a lot of times. Why not let him make a movie? You can say Robert Englund, Freddy Krueger himself, directed this movie. Yeah, I don't think he is particularly good at getting performances out of people i think the performances i i like them but they're not good right they're a special kind of 80s horror movie performance Mm. like the bullies are insane the girls do things that women would never ever even think about doing in real life it has one of my all-time least favorite things that any movie or tv show does where a conversation starts in one place and then ends in another place where that character's like when i get mad cut to the pizza place, I eat. Did you just like stay silent for the whole time they were walking to the pizza place so she could get that pizza in her hand and say, I eat. Oh. Like What kind of master stroke of realism were you expecting from England in this? Did you want the power of Kangwon province or did you want a silly goose fun time? That's whole, everyone's performance in this is wholly appropriate for the kind of movie it is. What did you want out of these kids? They're talking about snorting crank in their graffitied high school bathroom and riding their skateboards up the walls. They're fucking perfect for this movie. Do you want to know my favourite bit of graffiti from the entire movie? I really do. There's a scene when they're in like the locker room. Yeah. And someone spray painted on the den- on the bench, "Hey, dickhole." Yeah, it's in shot for like three <laughs> minutes. It's there the whole time. It's so good, so good. There's a really good "fuck you" with an anarchy symbol right on the post office where I live now. <laughs> I walk past it every day. I'm like, yeah, fuck you, anarchy. <laughs> it makes no sense. There's a lot of really good graffiti in this. Everything is, the school looks so fucked up because everything's covered in like thick, wormy spray paint. There's no graffiti art. It's just shit everywhere. It looks like a fucking German squat. It's amazing. I think that's a really stylized look. And like you said at the top, it's quite a brave take on, you know, this could have been, it could have looked like everything else and it does not. It looks really fucking strong and unique. Like I say, it does does sort of wean its way away from that. It's like we had all these strong ideas for the first I don't know, third. Mm. And then it gets a bit stale. Obviously, the the stuff in the school is pretty stylized. Mm. We only really see the bathroom and, like, the headmaster's office. Mm. But the bathroom looks really cool. The headmaster's office looks like it's in a normal school. It's hard to sort of gel those two things together. Yeah. I guess maybe the staff have their own staff toilets so they don't ever go into the student toilets. That is a thing. And therefore don't see the absolute 
hellscape nightmare that's going on in there. Well, yeah, you're not really supposed to go in the students' toilets to use them, but you obviously are expected to go in there to check them out every now and then. And uh, right. the students, yeah, check the students out. Yeah, mostly in the shower. But the 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 vibe I'm getting from the school is nobody gives a fuck, and it's in absolute turmoil and upheaval all the time. Kids are slashing each other all over the place. They're fucking. It's I don't know. I lo- I love the portrayal of the school. It feels so lawless. Like I was kind of bummed when we finally saw a teacher because I quite like the idea of seeing the school featured so much throughout the movie and never even once seeing a teacher. I thought that'd be great. But, uh, yeah, it's almost like kind of like the Peanuts thing where you, where you don't see or engage with any of the adults, yeah, really. Yeah. I kind of like that. But then, like, that also doesn't gel with the fact that the headmaster, headmistress, is along for the ride for the for the final act of this movie, despite the fact that they've completely changed how she looks. So you have to think about it for a while. <laughs> yeah. She cares, she cares about Hoax because she says that he's a good student and she doesn't give a mm. fuck about Spike. <laughs> so... It does track, like, Hoax is helping out in the principal's office. We see him lingering in the background. He's obviously, like, thought of highly by his biology teacher. And he's a full-blown nerd machine. So, of course, he's, uh, yeah. of course, the, the principal goes to his house and falls into a hell vortex for him. <laughs> like, it makes perfect sense. One thing that I really enjoy is how unsubtle the peppering of, like, devil and mm. devil ish things the cinema's called the el diablo yeah and it has a fucking huge flaming red pitchfork neon on the the exterior it's amazing yeah the opening shot is a place called dante's Mm -hmm. spike orders the deviled eggs they need the devil's root in the spell there's a devil twins ready meal that's full of spiders fucking i love that shit yeah dialing 666 on the phone like all that stuff yeah like I, i love vaguely a cult but not really a cult because then we'd have to address some actual real things in the world yeah but like the sort of top level super fucking it's like pop occult shallow satanism Mm. yeah i love that me too yeah and this movie like you said it it doesn't do it subtly it's not trying to hint at anything it's just we fucking love this aesthetic and all of these things. Let's fill the movie with it. I thought it would be fun to count at one point, and I just stopped counting around the 14 mark. I was like, every time anyone said anything like vaguely satanic, devilish, or occult, I was tallying it up, and I just thought this is going to be laborious. This is going to be so much. And there was. Much respect for that. It sets the tone and the mood without trying to seem pretentious or haughty. It just says, this film's full of rad devil stuff. Let's go. Like, it's great. I feel like Spike has also just like beamed in from a very shit Tennessee Williams like adaptation. He's straight from Christine. Like half these kids are bringing so much baggage from Christine with them. It's great. They're obviously Mm. throwbacks. They're Harley riding rebels. You know, it's the bad boys grease. Why were the 80s so obsessed with the 50s? Same reason everyone now was so obsessed with the 90s for a hot minute and then were rabid about the 80s. It's just rank nostalgia in it i think whatever society's going through they pine for the antidote which is the old days in a specific era in the old days and at this point i think people are flapping their nads over the eight over the uh the, the 50s <laughs> over a decade in the past sam <laughs> i mean it's it's classic nostalgic escapism right what are we doing now what what's everyone obsessed with now we are getting a bunch of like 90s what's it called period pieces which is horrible to think about but Mm, i think nowadays we're also more more exploring 
this like geographical idealistic escapism like everyone's fucking going nuts over like minnesota and and places in the uh you know the north of the u.s like rugged wilderness yeah. places fetishizing it to the point of like rabid escapism which i think is fine but i don't know if that's i don't know if that's as a result of like nostalgia for for places where you can keep your door unlocked or whatever mm. or whether it's just like someone picks a place to set a tv show and then that tv show is really popular mm. so then people are like oh well the ozarks are a cool place yeah. let's make something about a different set of mountains the tetons or whatever i don't know Tetons. yeah so like i don't know i think i think that's that's cynically and you know i'm perfectly willing to be the cynic here it's just because someone makes something independent that's really really successful and then people pounce on it and rinse it and like season the, the most recent season of fargo is almost laughably minnesotan it's so over the fucking top it's like compare that with the original fargo movie and you're in parody territory and it's under the same name it's bizarre i think people will just twist I... and twist and twist until they've got every drop out of a, a gimmick i don't know if that's if i'd agree with that really come on then come at me well i think that the original fargo movie has all of the same Minnesotan stuff yeah. that the most recent season of Fargo has. I mean, I'm only three episodes in. Same. So. But don't you think even the the accent work is so fucking over the top and they're just pummeling you to death with Minnesota nice. You know, they're just constantly hitting you with it. Whereas the first, like the original Fargo movie just felt like this is set in Minnesota. Chill the fuck out. <laughs> well... I don't agree with that because obviously Marge Gunderson's whole shtick is that she's Minnesotan. She's very Minnesotan. Yeah, yeah. But it's not like, not every character is standing at centre stage and being the most Minnesotan person on earth. Like it's, it's peppered throughout, sure, but it's not leaning on it the entire time like it's its fucking dying breath. I think we need a Minnesotan perspective on this. Yeah. Well, do we have any Minnesotan listeners? Arms aloft, if you're listening, tweet us or whatever vehicle of communication you choose. Yeah. But I think, like, I, what I think is that, what's her name from Ted Lasso, your main girl in the new season of Fargo? Yeah, yeah. Her. I don't know if this is true, but I think that's not her real voice. I mean, I know that it's not her actual real voice, but as the character, I think that's not her real voice. No, she's pretty famously great at accent work. She, I saw her in some stuff where she was doing, like, a Tennessee accent. I've seen her in something where she's doing, yeah. like, a Creole drawl. Like, she's she's good at that shit. Yeah, but I mean, as the, I think the character, I think that's not her real accent. Either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't know yet, but it seems like seems like that's the thing, right? Yeah, because we're in like History of Violence, the long good Friday, not that one. What's it called? The long kiss good night. The long wet summer. I like History of Violence. I really like that movie. Yeah, Viggy Vig. I'm a big fan of any. Oh, hey, I used to be a bad guy, mm. and now I'm not a bad guy, and. I remember that I'm a bad guy, and so if you make me need to be a bad guy, I'll be a bad guy. Is this your guys. is this your arc? Is this your redemption arc? Did you see the film Nobody with Saul Goodman? Yeah, he talked quite candidly in a lot of interviews about how insanely hard it is to be in that good shape when you're in your fifties, and doing all those fight scenes and stuff just nearly fucking killed him. I think that's a pretty amazing achievement for a. I'm not saying like for a guy of his age, but it's not his main thing, is it? Action movies, no. fucking legend. I mean, it must be tricky for the people. In this film, 976 Evil, to have those fights, Good despite segue. being in their mid-40s. <laughs> Great segue. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, this movie probably provided a lot of challenges for a lot of the actors. Um, namely, I think it was probably really hard for Stephen Jeffries to stay at least somewhere within the realm of believability with his character. I know people are going to hammer me about this, but I think it's a really believable manic performance. <laughs> 
I just think this guy exists. I find him so fucking real. I don't think he exists at all. <laughs> I think this is... Movies have twisted everybody's brains to the point of like... Like, do you know when you see a nerd on like Saved by the Bell or something? Screech. And they're all like, computer club, computer club, or whatever. Like... Yeah. Like, those people don't exist. This is a, vi- <laughs> yes, a fairly... So I remember seeing there was a reality show in the maybe the early 2000s that was called beauty and the geek right and i remember the first time i ever saw a nerd that actually looked like a nerd from tv okay and even then he was like he was a cool guy he just like looked and vaguely sounded jewish so i think a lot of these like nerd stereotypes are actually like coded anti-semitism oh my god where is this going coded anti-semitism how the fuck did we get here i mean i'm not gonna say a straight up no but i listen i worked in schools for over a decade and i met a lot of nerds and a lot of those nerds were real like movie nerds like those movie nerds come from life right it's it's life it's it's art imitating life not the other way around i don't think you know, I'm not saying Stephen Jeffries is a convincing nerd. I just think he's a convincing character. He just seems mm. he has so much about his performance that is varied and textured and has depth and is also really exciting and enjoyable to watch. Uh, I'm not saying if I saw someone in real life behaving that way, <laughs> I wouldn't have concerns. But in his in his place in the movie, which is an over the top, sticky, schlocky, party time popcorn movie, I think he just fucking picks his spot and nails it. I was really impressed by. Even in the transformation sequences, even when he becomes evil, I thought this is where he's going to lose it a bit and it's just going to be, you know, paint by numbers, bad guy stuff. But I still found him really compelling in that final sequence. I thought he was rock solid throughout. So I think when he sort of turns evil at the end, yeah, we're in we're in like uh, chopped up mm. Bill Mosley territory. Too I close. thought maybe you would you would hate that. Uh, Bill Mosley as chopped up sucks. Wrong. Stephen Jeffries as evil hoax demon guy gets it right. I think there's, but it's it's so similar. Nah, come on. There's a big nah over that. Chop, you know what Chop Top is? He's just it's filthy, grisly, base, boring, predictable, gross out stuff. Whereas hoax as a demon has some menace, but has some playfulness, some whimsy in that threat of being hurled into an icy hell. It's. I just think it's on a different level. It's. It's a whole different beast. Chop Top is just a gross guy with a scabby head, and Hoax is is a demon child hurling people into the abyss. It's fucking different. Okay. I mean, obviously the the characters are different and their intentions are different, but the the way that they're portrayed, I think, is very similar. Nah, Chop Top's hammering the same bit over and over again. Look how gross I am. I'm scratching my head with a hot fucking coat hanger and then licking it or whatever the fuck he's doing. He's saying the same shit over and over again. He's a one-trick pony. He's like, ooh, I gross. Whereas Stephen Jeffries has like maybe 15 minutes in this movie where he's thoroughly evil. And bear in mind, he has a cool transition phase into that evil that gives you some depth and some growth and some, some room to kind of feel out a new place in the movie. And then... You know, he actually has a struggle. He has he has some depth to his character. Chop Top's just gross and then is dead. Like, boring. Get out. Go to bed. Mm. Mm. You're going to fight Disagree. and die on that Chop Top hill to the very end, aren't you? Yeah. Is he your f- all-time favorite movie villain, would you say? No, he's just fucking cool. Like, I think Rufus Firefly or whatever whatever his character's called in Devil's Rejects trilogy Yeah. is, is better. Mm-hmm. 
than Chop Top. That's it. What you putting him in a similar a similar realm? Well, it's the same guy. So why are you fighting so hard for Chop Top? <laughs> I because I think Chop Top's cool. Yeah, I, I love the sort of the the, the day glow insanity of Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two. I know that you hate it. I can't. I think you were still in the sort of the toxic toxic. You were still in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre afterglow. Yeah, but like you. You sort of caught it too soon. You didn't let it sit for a while. Dude, Toxic Chainsaw Massacre would be sick. Toxic Avenger teams up with Leatherface to destroy a school. But the, the Toxic Avenger is a hero. Yeah, but he teams up with... He has an, he has an arc. He, he teams up with... Le- Leatherface is a hero. I don't think he is. He's not Godzilla. <laughs> He's not Godzilla. In the film Citizen Toxie, the Toxic Avenger 4, yeah. the, the, the noxious offender, who is the evil version of Toxie, yeah. destroys a school. Good on him. That's such a fucking great film. Put it on the list. Kaz is out this afternoon. I'm going to watch it. Nice. Why do you have to wait for Kaz to be out to watch that? I can't watch Toxic Avenger 4 when Kaz is around. What happens? There's a scene where James Gunn plays a Stephen Hawking type character. Right. What a, a brilliant physicist with cerebral palsy. Yeah. And it is exactly the sort of sensitive portrayal <laughs> that you would expect. From James Gunn around this time. Fuck me. Stephen Hawking didn't even have cerebral palsy, does he? <laughs> he had... Uh, Has he got MS? It was, yeah, it was ALS. Is that oh, Lou Gehrig's? Yeah. yeah. We're allowed to talk about Stephen Hawking like this in this moment in time, I think, because of recent events. Anyway, let's fucking... <laughs> let's get back on track. So 976 Evil. It exists. I think it does its job really well in that it is exactly the kind of wild goose chase of a horror movie that you expect from both the title the cover the director and the cast is there anything Mm. that doesn't work for you in this film because my only complaint is that there are a few lulls in action and and you know character momentum that sort of slip into not being that visually interesting as well and you just kind of dip a little bit here and there but i have to say i think that's probably deliberate because it is a get up for a piss break movie and i think these movies are paced in that way so that you don't you know you don't miss anything if you go and make another bag of popcorn like i think it i think it does yeah. does that really well it's paced in a way that works for the audience but what do you think i'm not sure if it's deliberate but i do think that this is a film that rewards a bit of patience sure um but again i don't think that that's a purposeful thing i just think that they you know you can't be 100 miles an hour all the time sometimes you've got to turn some corners mm-hmm. so like why not have a bit that's a bit boring i don't know why not have a bit that's a bit boring <laughs> yeah it had some put that on your poster robert it's <laughs> a good bio it had some it had some great dialogue i really enjoyed a lot of the witty repartee a lot of the bad boy you know sort of back and forth was really good it's obviously like super over the top scripted but great but it has one of my favorite quotes from a movie that we've done so far it's in the scene where he goes to the I know this is a fucking great scene by the way so when he goes to mark dark's phone service building whatever like where he's got yeah. all his different phone lines running he says uh i guess nobody's interested in the underworld anymore you know just ewoks et football and phone sex <laughs> I thought that was a fucking great line yeah and well delivered what well, robert picardo is great he is yeah and i love the the fake out in that that they, they sort of yeah. They they pay off later where he's like he's obviously got a cold, taking a lot of these like sniffly drugs. Yeah. Like I just think that's so much fun. It's great. I love um Robert Picardo. I feel like he's like when he shows up, it's like when Jeffrey Combs shows up and stuff, which you know also happens a lot in Star Trek. It's just like, oh cool, this is fun because this one guy is now here. Yeah. Some all, I think it's always a joy that. to see him. Yeah, yeah, they just bring that like 
oh, fuck yeah, there he is. Like, you're not necessarily expecting them. You're not hanging your hopes and dreams on them showing up. But when they do, you're like, oh, this just elevated significantly. I feel like that about Scott Bakula. I feel like that about a lot of actors of this era who maybe were big in one or two things and then spent a lot of time, quote unquote, popping up. I think that's a real a real thing to kind of be proud of if you can show up in someone else's thing and be everyone's favorite thing in that thing for a while so articulate yeah (laughs) so i wanted to ask you obviously we've we've come off quite recently a very real depiction of punks yeah in film i want to ask you what you what you think about the depiction of punks in this film 976 evil i love it more it's it's way more fun you know i find the punks in green room just like boring because they're the kind of punks that i have to hang out with in real life oh you're so self-aware oh you also like the weaker thans whatever like i want (laughs) i want my punks to be doing crank and putting kids in dumpsters and kicking them for an hour and riding their skateboards up the walls and getting slashed up and playing poker and dropping out of school and having shitty mohawks and being ripped as fuck but wearing greasy vests i think that's my my escapism punk that's the shit that i want to see yeah um they're cartoonish they're brash, they're funny, they're really fucking dumb, and they move the story on by being such vicious antagonists. I think they're very, very cool. What is it, do you think, about punks that make them like poker so much? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's fucking... <laughs> poker's hard. I wish I could say it's because it's easy, <laughs> but it's not, right? Poker's tough. I can't no. remember. If I don't play poker for a year, I forget every single hand, like, immediately. Uh, I think maybe... It's it's a bit of a non sequitur. It's a bit of a what can we what can we do to bring them together in a circle where there's a bit of tension and banter? Fuck it, let's do mm. poker. It doesn't make any sense for the punks to be doing that, really, in my opinion, in this movie. But it works. No, they should be playing dice, right? Yeah, be throwing or... dice in the alley or some shit. Yeah, exactly. But it's cool. Which is also pretty cinematic. But yeah, it is cool. Yeah, it works. They've got like a little, you know, they have a place to go to do this. That you know, it's it's fun to shoot. There's obviously like the the gambling angle, the fact that. Spike has, you know, gambling debts, this, that, and the other. So, I, I, yeah, I think it works. It's slightly incongruous with the whole idea of these nihilistic street punks, but I'm into it. I guess we're supposed to identify with Hoax. We want Hoax to win. Yeah. We want him to get a girl and get on a bike with Spike and, and go off to the to the mountains and see California and the Pated Valley and stuff. Yeah. But, like... I would much rather be hanging out in a projection room, smoking cigarettes, playing poker with the punks. And that's, Goes that's the same. perfect place to be. Yeah. I would spend all of my time in the El Diablo, $2 for a for an all-night horathon. Yeah, like, I knew that was going to be 100% your bag. I saw that. I was like, Jamie wants to live in this movie. Literally. Yeah. It almost like feels like the same town as like the Elvira movie, the first Elvira movie. That's a great shout. It kind of does. Like Even like the mum character, Hoax's mum, like, she could easily be in that scene where they eat the chili and all fuck each other in the Elvira movie. Yeah, she stands out a little bit as being almost 100% improvised. I didn't love <laughs> I didn't love her portrayal of, you know, religious zealot mum. It just lacked a little spice for me. But I did I did think the, the weaker stuff visually was in that house. So I think maybe yeah. that explains why when the big showdown happens at the end, it's kind of in that house a little bit too much. Um, whereas, like you said, the dripping neon street stuff, the school, all of that, that just sings. Like, it's it's great. And I think I'd love to know what, what life was like for Robert Englund at school because I feel like yeah. he brings quite a bit of uh, really difficult-to-pull-off pathos to a 
you know, fucking nerd bullying scene. I think he did. Well, did this really is well also written it. by our our old friends, Rhett Topham and Brian Helgeland. Of course, good old Rhett. So what do you think of the writing? I mean, the dialogue is the dialogue in this movie. <laughs> okay. Like, it's not going to win any Oscars, yeah. but it works. Like, it's, it is the same sort of portrayal of that nerd character mm. gone completely wrong. But in Trick or Treat, he pulls it back. Whereas in this, it goes all the way. Yeah. And I, I, like I say, I really like that it goes all the way. Obviously, we're in very similar to Christine territory. Mm-hmm. But the idea that it just goes fully fucked and that he just, he's gone. The second that he does the spell with the third and the thing with the spiders mm. in uh, in your girl's room, he's gone. There's no coming back for him after that. Mm. And, I, and I rate that. I think that's a really brave thing. Yeah, I agree. You're left with no hero. It's great. Yeah. You've got Spike. He's going <laughs> to run around. And then you've got the fucking Marty. Yeah. Yeah. Those I don't guys... really understand him at all as a character, well, but like he's there. But that, yeah, I don't get him either. I don't understand. He's a private eye. What the. And? Like, who do you work for? What the fuck are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) None of it makes any sense. Obviously, when he first shows up, he says he's from Modern Miracle magazine. And then when he says he's a private eye, he shows a police badge. Yeah. Mixed messages from this guy. A good, he's a useful vehicle to like push shit onward a little little bit, but he doesn't bring anything at all to the film and could easily be cut completely, I think. But that's why I think Stephen Jeffrey's performance is so strong, because even when he slips and does shitty things and then eventually becomes fully evil i'm still kind of rooting for him i always want the bullied kid who gets revenge to absolutely annihilate his enemies i don't want him to like <laughs> and now you've learned a lesson i want him to literally decapitate everyone and hurl their heads into the void so for me as a viewer i was with him right till the very end i'm still i'm still team jeffries i'm still fucking let's go hoax strong performance won me over i think it's a good performance i think it's fun I like Sunny Dennis. Obviously, she is a classic actor. And I think the stuff in the house is meant to look a bit more sterile than sure. the outside. Like, that's the, the point of the house is that it's there's plastic on all the sofas and, yeah. like, it's all sterile as fuck. But, like, that is just less interesting than, than the stuff outside. Yeah. I think maybe Robert England grew up in that house. I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. he brought some of that with him, you know? There's a lot of stuff that goes yeah. a bit deep for it to be, you know, when you're like, oh, I think this is about something else. There's a, there's a lot of attention yeah. paid to the stifling high religious expectations of that household. What do you think about Leslie Dean? I mean, mega babe. Mega babe. Absolutely. Did she do much else? No. <laughs> she was in Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. That's the only connective tissue I can find here. She was in a film called Plump Fiction. Yeah, I did notice that. I didn't know whether to bring it up or not because I thought... Jamie's going to have seen Plump Fiction. He's going to tell us all about it, but you're acting like you haven't. I haven't seen Plump Fiction. Hmm. I'm just having a quick look at the cast list now. <laughs> That's on the list for this there's afternoon. There's a character in it called. There's a character called Mimi Hungry. <laughs> so good. It's got Jennifer Rubin in it. Next week on the Final Tran- Transmission podcast, <laughs> Plump Fiction. <laughs> it's also got Jennifer Coolidge in it. All the Jennifers. All the heavy hitters. Oh, don't say that. Heavy hitters. I see what you did there. Uh, <laughs> all right, so what we're going to do, we're going to make our next movie in our huge slew of superb movies. We make the movie Heavy Hitters, a plump fiction sequel starring Stephen Jeffries. We get him to pile on some pounds and uh, we turn him into a pop singer 
<laughs> that one's dead in the water. I'm sorry, viewers, listeners, readers. <laughs> so I think 976 Evil has a kind of parable-esque quality to it in which, mm. you know, a, a kid gets treated like shit and bullied and becomes a demon and, you know, wreaks havoc and revenge on his tormentors. Do you think that's uh, pretty much exactly what's happening here or am I being too pretentious and reading into it too much? I mean, that's what happens in the film. Mm. I don't know if it's a parable or if it's something that we're meant to think deeply about. I don't think there's any subtext here. Subtext is if you treat people like shit, maybe they'll turn out to be dickheads in the long run. Yeah, maybe they'll throw you into hell. Yeah, but he's not treated massively like a dick. Like, obviously, he's he's bullied by the bullies, but mm. he's got Spike on his side and he alienates Spike True. by, you know, killing his girlfriend. Yeah, I, but that is kind of an accident. I mean, listen, in his defense, he does kill Spike's girlfriend 100% by accident. And he does say all he wanted to do was scare her. He does then call her a Jezebel whore, which is yeah. a little bit much. <laughs> she was ruining his reputation. Yeah. Spike's wonderful reputation. <laughs> Great scene. All right, I'm finding it a little harder to defend Hoax now that we drill deep. I do sincerely think he didn't mean to kill her. I think it was a whoopsie. And I like his... His lack of boundaries with his mischief is compelling. He's obviously a bit of a japester and a prankster. Sure, he gets carried away and kills his cousin's girlfriend with black magic by squashing a spider. That's fucking sick. That's such a cool scene. And I think it was accidental. He just, it, it sparked him off down the, the course of evil that was his undoing. It's so weird that, like, the internal logic of that spell. So the spider is the reason that there were loads of spiders in the TV dinner, right? Yeah, so kill the spider. The spiders go away, right? No. Like, why? Why does it kill her? Kill the spider really and Leslie Dean drops dead. Exactly. He had no idea that was going to happen. He was trying to, you know, pull it back at the last minute when he saw it was getting out of hand. And I think that's the, the inciting incident that sends him swirling into a vortex of evil. And I like that. I think that's cool. Plays into his character. Made a mistake. Fucked him up completely. I have a question. Do you believe that this school could be real where the headmaster, the headmistress, is this attractive a woman and nobody has mentioned it up until this point up until this point yeah i mean i did like the the line in the waiting room where he's like i see why you come here i i think the principal had to be hot there's no way robert england's making a movie about you know a dystopian nightmarish <laughs> high school full of punks where the principal isn't just like absolutely put together i kind of saw that coming a mile off but yeah i buy it completely yeah <laughs> we spend so much time with like these shithead punks yeah that all they want to do is play strip poker with like a bunch of guys mm. and like poker for money, ride around on their motorbikes, wear stupid hats that no one would ever wear, yep. and then terrorize people and ultimately get deaded. But like, you'd think that one of them would have noticed that their, their headmaster was was a, a hot, a hotting. You are refusing to stop saying the headmaster is hot. <laughs> and I'm, oh, I'm here for it. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, you'd think the one, head teacher. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't know what the, the gender-free term for principal. All right, yeah. principal. School boss. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's great that she's, she just shows up for the end and is like, here I am. I'm the hot principal. I have absolutely no place in this movie. Let's make me the center focus for the next 25 minutes. But also let's make me look different so you don't really know that that's who I am for yeah. a minute until someone says, hold on. Hey, the principal's let her hair down or whatever. <laughs> yeah, weird. A slightly, slightly weird decision. Also more attractive when the glasses are on and the hair is up. 
Always. That's the movie trope I don't get. It's always like, oh, she takes her glasses off and lets her hair down. Wow, look at her now. Put them back on. (laughs) Put the hair back up. Right, let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll wrap this puppy up. All right. Wrap it up. Come on, man. There's a thingy little work. No. There's nothing out there. It's just dead air. Okay, we're back. Sam. Yo. Tell me Mm -hmm. your final thoughts on 976 Evil. Where do I start? As as popcorn party time fun flicks go, this is this is up there for me. This feels like one you can just slap in, kick back, belly laugh, and go at from start to finish. It's visually way better than it has any right to be. I love the I love all the characters. I think all the characters are really well drawn. They do their job perfectly. It's not the kind of movie that is gonna you know, change your life in any way. I guess it could change some people's lives. Fuck that. Maybe it will change your life. Who knows? But I think it's so well executed in uh, in terms of just bringing this horrible, greasy, rough-around-the-edges story to fruition that i got to rate it really highly. I'm going to give it six red-hot Harley mufflers out of ten, and I'm going to say that I would give Stephen Jeffrey's performance ten creepy-crawly psycho black magic spiders out of 10 i think he really stood out for me in this well done robert england good job everyone what about you jamie i mean i agree for the most part i don't think that besides how it looks in those early scenes i don't think it's a particularly good movie but i think it's a lot of fun Mm. i think it plays as well as most of my like series of shithead punks in a school movies that i that i tend to really like like class of 1984 and Class of 1999 mm-hmm. and Class of Newcomb High and whatever else. Like, I think it plays just as well as them, but then you've got an added extra satanic element, which is always fun for me. Mm-hmm. We say this all the time when we're talking about horror icons that are directing things that and they haven't really directed much else. It's sad, really. I'd like to have seen Robert Englund take some of the more interesting elements of this and make something that was really, really good. Because mm. I think that he's got that in him. Like We know that he can tell a story we know that he can create a really solid mood yeah so yeah so seeing him with a bit more money or a bit more maybe a bit of a better script or a bit more of an interesting script maybe something that was less in the sort of freddy arena which this i think does fit very squarely like when when hoax goes full demon at the end he is basically in absolute freddy territory but that's also fun just would like to have seen maybe a little bit more from uh, Robert Englund. He did direct another feature, but it sucks. So don't don't watch it. What is it? What's it called? Plump Fiction. It's called Killer Pad. Mm, okay. I love a horror comedy. Mm. I think this is a horror comedy, but I I think there's just something about half-assed horror comedies, and I think maybe it's because it came out in 2009. Right. Like if 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 a half-assed horror comedy comes out in 1985, yeah, I, I might feel differently about it. Yeah, but I do because I love sorority babes in the slime ball ballerama or whatever. But yeah, this is it's good. There's the music's dog shit. It's 80s soap opera music. Mm-hmm. The performances are Tennessee Williams, overacted melodrama. People yelling Stella. These are all my favorite things. <laughs> What's good? Soap yeah. opera music and people screaming Stella. I'm in. It's just it is good fun. I would give it. Four TV dinners out of seven. TV dinners that erupt with tarantulas. 
Yeah, four impaled dudes on spikes on the top of a cinema. Good impaling scenes. I mean, the death scenes are all great. Yeah. The, uh, the, the spiders thing is genuinely quite horrifying just because it's like, where do they all fucking come from? Yeah. How many spiders can you fit in a TV dinner? Some like, great shots there as well, like the squashing of the main spider, his face cut to her dead. Like a lot of that stuff was, a lot of those, those death sequences, those action sequences are, are cut together really nicely. And there's some superb camera work in this movie. I think it sort of takes a lot of the stuff that we've seen from movies like Trick or Treat and teen horror with comedy elements and it it kind of sharpens it a little bit i think it brings something fresher and more exciting and despite a few lulls in the uh, in the action really fucking smashed home for me enjoyed it very good fun okay well tell the people sam now we're done talking about 976 evil but we need to pad this out somehow so tell them how they can support the podcast first of all stop what you're doing tap five stars and leave a review tell us how wrong we are tell us how much you love us Tell us what you're having for dinner. Do whatever it takes to get that rating and that review on there because it helps us uh, increase our visibility, which, believe me, we need. Next, I would go to at FT Horror Show on the Instagram and if you feel like it, TikTok and give us a follow. Say hi, send us a message, use your thumbs, like some stuff. Turn around to the guy next to you, wherever you are. Maybe you're in a Turkish sauna or a a uh, hot tub somewhere and, and tell them all about FT Horror Show. Tell them about Final Transmission and talk their ear off until they do the same. They follow, subscribe, and then tell them that they need to sign you both up for the Patreon. Don't give them any reason. Just sit there awkwardly and watch them have to take their card out in the sauna and type it into their phone and then leave immediately was and never card? say another word. Huh? Where was their card? You know where the card was. Okay. Right there. Right where it needs to be. Take it out for them. Use your <laughs> use your portable swipe machine and take all their money. My 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 strongly worded advice here is that you sign up to the Patreon. Join us in the wasteland. You won't regret it. You won't regret it. You won't enjoy it. <laughs> you might not love it, but you won't regret it. <laughs> but you'll be there. What else is life if it's not maybe not enjoying something, but just being there? Absolutely. This has been the Final Transmission Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Jamie, any final words? Uh, I'm not ill, guys. Despite what you might think, I'm I'm very well. Yeah, we're both doing great and everything's fine. Thank you for listening. Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye.